If I say the name Dietrich Bonhoeffer to this worshiping community, I'm pretty confident that for those listening, that is not an unfamiliar name. Dietrich Bonhoeffer was a German Lutheran pastor and theologian who lived with faithfulness and effectiveness during the horrific reign of Hitler and the Nazis in the 1930s and before. Though Bonhoeffer was killed by the Nazis, his writings and his insights remain especially powerful and especially pertinent to our lives in these days because he was a consistent and clear witness to the gospel, especially the gospel values of hope and faith in the face of Holocaust cruelty and oppression and hatred. This is what he wrote from his prison cell about three months before he died. Listen. There remains for us only the very narrow way, often extremely difficult to find, of living every day as if it were our last, and yet living in faith and responsibility as though there were to be a great future. It's not easy to be brave and keep that spirit alive, but it is imperative, Bonhoeffer says. How well are we living, each of us, every day with that kind of faithfulness? Living each day with courage and compassion as if it were our last, and also living in faith, trusting in God's great future. It's so easy to assume, assume that we have plenty of days. And so very little seems pressing. We muddle through our days. Rarely are we living each day as if it's our last. And rarely, perhaps, are we living with such courage and compassion. And it is so hard, so hard to trust that God, the creator of the universe, is also the completer of all things. Most of us are not very good at trusting. Trusting that indeed all things will be well and all manner of things will be well in God's steadfast care and love. Yet Bonhoeffer, from his prison cell, Reminds us, every day is precious, so we have to live with faith and hope and love because all things are in God's goodness and all things are in God's care forever. In fact, he even says it's imperative to find that narrow way. We have a story from the book of Jeremiah that conveys um, the importance of this same message some of you know how much I love the book Jeremiah because I've preached quite a few sermons from this prophet and his words. You remember Jeremiah? The book of Jeremiah comes really right in the middle of the Holy Scriptures. It comes about 1,500 years into the story that Ginger was alluding to a moment ago about Abraham and Sarah. 1,500 years into the story, a story of ups and downs, of successes and setbacks, of failures and 
and losses and faithfulness and unfaithfulness. By the time we get to Jeremiah, the year is around 600 B.C., and God's people have emerged from the sand, from the desert, from the wandering, from the struggling, from the uncertain people that they are in so much of the early part of the story, and they've become well-established. What do they have? Well, they have land on which to live. They have a temple. They have a king. And they even have prosperity. They even have credibility in the Middle Eastern world where they're situated. But also around 600 B.C., you may recall, the time of Jeremiah, they have a crisis. Crisis with capital C emerging. The Babylonian Empire coming from the east under the governance of Nebuchadnezzar threatened to destroy everything, overtake the region of Judah held by God's beloved people, sack the cherished temple built by Solomon in the center of Jerusalem, capture the king, seemingly forever safe because God's promise and covenant was that the king would be established forever. And the Babylonians are coming to crush the joy and the confidence of the people. Everything that represented God's cherished care for God's people was under extreme duress when we get to Jeremiah. So Jeremiah is called by God as a prophet, filled with God's spirit to speak on behalf of God and to help the people reimagine what life might look like in God's good care. He's come to articulate a different setting, a different world, a better world, a hopeful world where God's people are aligned with God and God's purposes. God, throughout the Bible, uses prophets to move the people and the world toward a better realm, a realm of faithfulness and justice, a realm of peace and hope. Jeremiah is filling this role in this moment for God and God's people. So the book of Jeremiah is filled with words of warning, words of, of, of destruction, because God's people had deserted God's ways. That's why the Babylonians were coming to conquer them. Now listen to Jeremiah 32 as we jump into the middle of this story. The word came to Jeremiah from the Lord in the 10th year of King Zedekiah of Judah, which was the 18th year of Nebuchadnezzar. At that, at that time, the army of the king of Babylon was besieging Jerusalem, and the prophet Jeremiah was confined in the court of the guard that was in the palace of the king of Judah, where King Zedekiah of Judah had confined him. Zedekiah had said, why do you prophesy and say, thus says the Lord, I'm going to give this city into the hands of the king of Babylon, and he shall take it. King Zedekiah of Judah shall not escape out of the hands of the Chaldeans, but shall surely be given into the hands of the king of Babylon, and shall speak with him face to face, and see him eye to eye, and he shall take Zedekiah to Babylon, and there he shall remain until I attend to him, says the Lord. Though you fight against the Chaldeans, you shall not succeed. Jeremiah said, The word of the Lord came to me. Hanamel, son of your uncle Shalom, is going to come to you and say, Buy my field that is at Anath Anathoth, for the right of redemption by purchase is yours. 
And then my cousin Anamel came to me in the court of the guard in accordance with the word of the Lord and said to me, buy my field that is at Anathoth in the land of Benjamin for the right of possession and redemption is yours. Buy it for yourself. Then I knew this was the word of the Lord. And I bought the field at Anathoth from my cousin Hanamel and weighed out the money to him, 17 shekels of silver. I signed the deed, sealed it, got witnesses, and weighed the money on scales. And then I took the sealed deed of purchase containing the terms and conditions and the open copy, and I gave the deed of purchase to Baruch, son of Neriah, son of Messiah, in the presence of my cousin Hanamel, in the presence of the witnesses who signed the deed of purchase, and in the presence of all the Judeans who were sitting in the court of the guard. In their presence, I charged Baruch, saying, Thus says the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, Take these deeds, both this sealed deed of purchase and this open deed, and put them in an earthenware jar in order that they may last for a long time. For thus says the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, Houses and fields and vineyards shall again be bought in this land. The passage goes on and it has lots more detail than that with Jeremiah speaking words of praise and thanks to God. Jeremiah recites even in this chapter 32 some of the great history of God's saving acts, rescuing the people when they were slaves in Egypt, showering them with signs and wonders to demonstrate God's abiding care for them through all the ages. But the people disobeyed. And the people fell away from God and the Babylonians were attacking and God instructs Jeremiah, go and buy a field. The whole place will be overrun because of the abominations against God because the people had turned their backs to God and turned against each other instead of living with compassion and justice. And then God says this as Jeremiah 32 continues. See, I'm going to gather them from all the lands to which I drove them in my anger and my wrath and my great indignation, and I will bring them back to this place, and I will settle them in safety. They shall be my people, and I will be their God. I will give them one heart and one way that they may fear me for all time for their own good and the good of their children after them. I will make an everlasting covenant with them, never to draw back from doing good to them. And I will put the fear of me in their hearts so that they may not turn from me and turn so they might, 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 may not turn from me. I will rejoice in doing good to them and I will plant them in this land in faithfulness with all my heart and all my soul. For thus says the Lord, just as I've brought all this great disaster upon this people, so I will bring upon them all the good fortune that I now promise. Fields shall be bought for money, and deeds shall be signed and sealed and witnessed in the land of Benjamin, in the places around Jerusalem, and in the cities of Judah, of the hill country, of the Shephelah, and of the Negeb, for I will restore their fortunes, says the Lord. This is the word of the Lord. So prophets, prophets including Jeremiah, are often famous for their words of warning, for their words of destruction. Prophets like Isaiah and Ezekiel and Amos and Micah 
and Hosea and others often speak harsh words, alerting and seeking to correct God's people from their waywardness. Jeremiah also does plenty of that. The people had wandered from God's ways. The God of the covenant, the God of steadfast love and faithfulness was disgusted with the people serving their own purposes, worshiping other gods, distorting justice, forgetting the less fortunate. When God's people turn inward, when God's people ignore God and God's intentions, suffering comes and destruction lurks. This was the scene. Babylon and Nebuchadnezzar were on the doorstep to destroy everything. Everything. And Jeremiah, the prophet of doom, in an effort to correct and address, redirect faithfulness, locked in a prison in the king's court because the king and no one wants to hear about doom and gloom anymore, even from God's chosen prophet, Jeremiah gets a new word from God. Jeremiah buys a feel just when the enemy is about to attack. So think about it like this. Would you buy a plot of land in northern Ukraine today? How about some real estate in Afghanistan? How about beachfront property in Puerto Rico? You get the point? Generally, there are times when it's good to invest and real estate is appealing. And then there are other times when it's absolutely crazy to think like that. When the Babylonian Empire is on the doorstep to destroy everything, the signs are pretty clear against investing in a field just outside of Jerusalem. It's not the time to invest. It's time to run. It's time to panic. It's time to recognize what's happening. War is raging. Terror is threatening on all sides. Exile, picking the people up and taking them, has been predicted, and it's coming. Israel's future looks pretty bleak. But Jeremiah doesn't watch the Weather Channel. Jeremiah is not paying attention to cable news. Jeremiah doesn't listen to the loud voices of doom that often demand our attention. Jeremiah knows that neither King Zedekiah or King Nebuchadnezzar nor corporate executives nor Pentagon officials nor Putin nor Biden nor anybody we might think of, they don't get the last word. Jeremiah knows that. God gets the last word. God alone holds the future. This is what the prophet knows and is affirming. And God's final word is never destruction. God's final word is never destroying. God's final word is renewing and renewal. It's always renewal. God's final word is hope and possibility and God. This is a word for us today. It's a word for me today. It's a word for you today. It's a word for our city. It's a word for our world. Think about where it might be needed in your own heart. 
Can you trust your children to God's steadfast love forever? Can you trust your deepest worry? Maybe it's a medical concern. Maybe it's about a job. Maybe it's about a transition you're making. Maybe it's about a loved one that you're commending to God's care forever. Can you trust your future to God's steadfast love and faithfulness? And can you do that even when fear and terror are lurking so strongly? Can you lean into God's promises instead? This is the message. Jeremiah says it several times, building on what he said in Jeremiah 29 and what he said in Jeremiah 31 and other places about the fact that despite the threats, despite the pending destruction, God has plans for God's people. That message holds the day. Jeremiah says it in this passage in this way. Thus says the God of Israel, houses and fields and vineyards shall again be bought in this land. We often live surrounded by the bad news. We might even feel like in these days the bad news is really punching us and, and pinching in on us. You've got interest rates going up and inflation is the talk of the whole economy and you've got climate issues that are becoming really critical for the planet and we've got political issues that paralyze our government from making progress and we've got gun violence in our streets and we've got other issues that plague our culture, and who knows what's going to happen with this war in Ukraine. Or maybe it's the personal concerns that are crushing our sense of joy and our sense of hope. Which is it? A marriage in crisis? A loved one in trouble? A family heartache? Some new level of grief emerging? It can pinch us can beat us down. It can force us into the worst decisions. And the powerful point of this story, Jeremiah is buying a field when devastation threatens, even when he's in jail, when every sign points to despair. This is a message for our lives. This is what God promises. I will be back to this place, says the Lord, and I will settle them in safety. They shall be my people, and I will be their God. And this is going to be forever. That's the promise. I will give them one heart, and I will give them one way, and I will make an everlasting covenant with them, never to draw back from doing good for them. We love that phrase from Romans chapter 8, that nothing in life or in death can ever separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. This is what we recite. This is what we seek to hold on to. Well, this is what that text, this same text from Jeremiah is saying. Nothing can separate us from God's love. The prophet is making that point. We hear the message from Philippians today, rejoice. Rejoice in the Lord Always, because our hope is in God. Keep on. Our hope is in God. So, as Dietrich Bonhoeffer reminds us, only the narrow way. It's often extremely difficult. But the narrow way is the way we go. We live each day as if it's our last. And we live it with compassion and courage. And we also live 
trusting that God holds a great and wonderful future, not just for us, but for our loved ones, for our city, for our whole world. We can trust God because God will not let us go. That's the message. Let's stay focused. Let's stay faithful. As Jeremiah shows us, as Jesus urges us, as God keeps calling us, let's stay focused and faithful. Thanks be to God. Alleluia. Amen. Let us pray. Holy God, to turn from you is to fall. To turn to you, well, that's to rise. To open our hearts to your spirit and seek to, with courage and compassion, live with you, following Jesus faithfully, trusting your grand promises. Well, that, oh God, is to abide forever. We seek that way. Following Christ our Lord. Amen.